0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Uninvited guests are a heck of a thing, aren't they? When they just spring up on you, or when you never really realize that they were always there. Especially in times like this, when our homes have definitely become our castles, our fortresses, or even our fortress of solitude, for those of us that love Superman out there, a guest becomes an extremely big deal. When presences make themselves known, we often wonder if they knowingly cross boundaries to invade our surroundings or the spaces of our minds. They can appear as ghosts, or demons, and sometimes as even yourself. Fight and push back on the creeping powers cornering us before it's too late. Protective measures can be taken Light the sage, hold those crystals, focus your energies, and say a prayer if you need to. Just beware the uninvited. First, doppelganger paranoia in The Tulpa, an anonymous creepypasta. Next, the woman in the painting is staring at you. After that, Fan mail and The Dark Wraith, a creepypasta to invade your senses. And finally, Mary Stockham sees you. Mary Stockham haunts you. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support something scary, consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, you can help the show and also be a part of it. Hear your name featured in a story on the podcast or weekly video, and see ad-free episodes. For more information, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? The Tolpa everyone has that little voice in their head. Imagine that voice taking form. Given strength and agency, that essence becomes a living thing with a mind. How would your little voice behave with a body of its very own? This is the story of The Tulpa, our bridged retelling of the anonymous creepypasta. Last year, I spent months participating in a psychological experiment. I found an ad in my local paper looking for imaginative people looking to make good money. All I would have to do was stay in a room alone with sensors attached to my head to read my brain activity. And while I was there, I would visualize a double of myself. They called it my topa. They brought me to a simple room and gave me a bed. The idea was to keep him with me the entire time I was in the room. I had trouble with it for the first few days. It was more controlled than any sort of daydreaming I'd done before. I'd imagine my double for a few minutes, then grow distracted. But by the fourth day, I could manage to keep him present for the entire six hours. The second week, they told me they wanted to see if I could still keep the topa with me in spite of distracting stimuli. They played unsettling music, punctuated with shrieks, feedback loops, what sounded like an old-school modem dialing up and guttural voices speaking some foreign language. I just laughed it off. I was a pro by then. I started to get bored. To liven things up, I started interacting with my doppelganger. It took some practice, but I found that I could question my Tulpa and access all sorts of memories. I could make it quote whole pages of books I'd read once, years before, or things I was taught in an immediately forgotten high school. It was awesome. That was around the time I started calling up my double outside of the research center. By the time I'd been at the research center for four months, he was with me constantly. I found myself growing more and more anxious around my tulpa, and it seemed that he was changing. He looked taller and more menacing. His eyes twinkled with mischief, and I saw malice and his constant smile. No job was worth losing my mind over, I decided. So I started trying my damnedest to not visualize him. It took a few days, but it started to work somewhat. I could get rid of him for hours at a time, but every time he came back, he seemed worse. His skin seemed ashen, his teeth more pointed. He hissed and threatened and swore. The discordant music I'd been listening to for months seemed to accompany him everywhere. Even when I was at home, I'd relax and slip, and there he'd be in that howling noise with him. I was still visiting the research center and spending my six hours there. I needed the money, and I thought they weren't aware that I was now actively not visualizing my tulpa. I was wrong. Someone in a lab coat jabbed a hypodermic needle into me. I woke up from my stupor back in the room, strapped into the bed, music blaring, with my doppelganger standing over me, cackling. He hardly looked human anymore. His features were twisted. His eyes were sunken in their sockets and filmed over like a corpse. He was much taller than me, but hunched over. His hands were twisted and the fingernails were like talons. He was, in short, terrifying. I tried to will him away, but I just couldn't seem to concentrate. He giggled and tapped the IV in my arm. I thrashed in my restraints as best I could, but could hardly move at all. I tried to focus, but couldn't banish him. They kept me dizzy and unfocused and sometimes left me hallucinating or delusional. The doctors never spoke to me. I begged at times, screamed, demanded answers. They never spoke to me. But I remember them talking with him. I grew convinced that he was the real one and I was the thought form. He could touch me. More than that, he could hurt me. He'd poke and prod at me if he felt I wasn't paying enough attention to him. He slashed my forearm with one of his talons. Then one day, while he was telling me a story about how he was going to gut everyone I loved, starting with my sister, he paused. A querulous look crossed his face and then smiled. All thoughts are creative, he told me. Then he walked out the door. I got home eventually. I don't remember how. I recovered as much as I can. I cry a lot. I don't sleep much, and my nightmares are terrible. It's over, I tell myself. I survived. It works, sometimes. Not today, though. I got a phone call from my mother. There's been a tragedy. My sister's the latest victim in a spree of killings, the police say. The perpetrator guts them. I was a little distracted, though. All I could hear was music coming from somewhere distant. Discordant, unsettling stuff, shrieking like a modem dialing up. I hear it a little louder now. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The warning signs of uninvited can go ignored if children aren't believed. Like in this letter sent in by Jimena. Dear Marquia, when I was a child, we had a painting of a woman in our family home that seemed as old as the house itself. The frame was rusted and vine-like as it hung proudly in the foyer. There was a woman in the frame. She was beautiful, ageless. Her face was restful and always watching. Don't get me wrong, but at times, she was frightening. She seemed to be painted from the waist up with some flowers around her hair. Every time I walked by her to go to the bathroom, she looked at me. It was terrifying. I got full body chills. Keep in mind, I had never watched anything scary to be fueling this part of my imagination. And so that's what I thought. Maybe I just have a really active imagination. Even my parents agreed, and to encourage me, they bought me art sets, and I really got into painting. When I'd describe the woman, they'd glance at each other and seem to go along with my belief about the woman in the painting. They suggested I paint her happily in the hopes of cheering her up or helping their child work through something they couldn't quite comprehend. So I focused on my art and didn't think about it. Eventually, I just forgot, and we moved out of that home. Ten years later, when I was at the table eating breakfast with my parents, we heard the morning radio DJ ask for callers with spooky experiences. They asked for stories of what scared you as a child, and to call the number to share. Others called in to talk about sightings, like spiders crawling all over them, but weren't really there, but felt real. And another called in about a man who'd stare at them while in the park, who no one else could see. That's when the memories came flooding back, and I basically yelled, Oh, the woman in the painting! My mother looked at me strangely. What painting? I reminded her of the painting, the woman with the flowers in her hair the painting in the hallway to go to the bathroom. My dad asked if I was talking about the woman I liked to paint growing up, the one I would see as sad. No, I insisted there was an actual painting that they hung up in the frame with rusted vines. That wasn't a painting, my mom said slowly and I looked at her strangely as she added, it was a mirror. My whole world was shattered. I got full body chills and a feeling of fear that overwhelmed my body. My mom stood up to give me a hug, so we talked it over. They honestly thought I was just making her up as a child. It wasn't until I described the frame that they realized I meant the mirror that came with the house. What we always thought was just my imagination was possibly something from the great beyond. If you have any ideas of what I could have been seeing when I was little, please, please tell me. Thank you so much Ximena for sharing your experience with us. It is extremely possible, and this is only my opinion, that when you were younger, there was possibly a spirit within that home that found it could reveal itself to you, because maybe of your young age or your sensitivity to the beyond. And because of that, they were able to show their feelings to you. I I think it is extremely sweet that you tried to paint them in a happy light. Since you didn't experience this particular spirit following you afterwards, you might have already given them what they needed, or it's a possibility that that spirit might be tied to that home. So for our listeners, do you think the woman in the mirror is still out there haunting other children? Do you have experiences like this that you can share with us? If so, please email us at snarl.com.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
2: Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move.
1: One of our podcasts invaded the world of one of our listeners while they enjoyed a creepy pasta. Here's Daisy's account of the supernatural experience it triggered. Dear Markia, I just wanted to say I love your podcast. I listen to every episode every day. I even listen to it when I go to sleep. The Something Scary podcast helps me concentrate on my work sometimes, but the main reason that I listen to it is because I love scary stories. I've been listening to them since I was like five. Anyways, I wanted to tell you something that happened. I was listening to the cold as death episode when it reached the theater story. Right when the story ended, my phone started glitching, and then I couldn't hear the rest of the episode. I tried listening to the other episodes. I tried listening to my music, but I still couldn't hear anything. I restarted my phone, but before I did, I heard a laugh behind me. It sounded deep. I turned around and saw my little sister playing with her toys, and I knew it couldn't be her. I don't know if this has to do with the episode or with my phone, but I'm pretty scared now. Daisy. Daisy, thank you for sharing that experience with us. I know that I say this a lot, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it again. Protective stones, sage, can make a big difference when you are experiencing the supernatural. And if you don't have anything like that, burning a candle with intent can do a lot, both to ease the spirit and also ease your peace of mind. Perhaps another story might stir more echoes from beyond, like The Dark Wraith, another anonymous creepypasta. Most of the information known about these spirits is unsurprisingly dubious at best as the survivors have often been paranoid to the extent of insanity. From what I have seen, the commonalities of past victims include staying within the light, becoming terrified of any unexpected noise, and jumping at merely the flicker of a candle. The worst of which is their fear of shadows, even their own. If they are unavoidably forced into darkness, they will enter a state of hysteria. However, I once met a man who had claimed to have... Survived one of these creatures and yet still be in a reasonable state of mind. While most fear for their lives, this man had a peculiar peace about him. He was old and worn, and despite his grim experiences, he had a sort of gentle kindness about him. Herein I have recounted the details that he has described to me. At being a fair distance from these creatures, only slight anomalies occur. These are notable characteristics which correspond to the paranoia of the survivors, unnatural flickering of candles, and occasionally the slight movement of a shadow. He hesitated to proclaim any area safe, but he stated this was most likely the safest distance one could be from them. At about a mid-range distance from the creature, the anomalies become more significant and exaggerated. He made certain to point out that this spirit did not seem to desire to actually be noticed, but its murderous intent was all but obvious upon being within proximity to it. He stated that if someone must come this close, then they should not advance without multiple sources of light. Naturally, torches should also be used instead of lanterns or candles, as the spirit was capable of extinguishing dim light within this vicinity. The easiest way to distinguish between this range and the prior is that the movements of shadows become more frequent and dramatic in nature. This man has also described the shadows as morphing into the silhouette of a woman, and generally, only the shadows that were within the peripheral vision were prone to movement. And finally, the man described to me the signs of being within close proximity to the spirit. Shadows begin to dance wildly, often leaping from one to another, dispelling any previous subtlety. All light sources are under constant assault by slow-moving, yet unnaturally cold air, which consequently exaggerates the movement of shadows. He said it was important to never stay still while at this range, as the shadows would quickly begin to engulf any immobile person. The spirit's method of killing was naturally unknown, but upon being completely immersed in darkness... Victims are known to often emit screams prior to being cut off entirely, shortly followed thereafter by the joyous laughter of a woman which quickly warps into an inhuman voice. Yet if darkness does entirely encompass someone, the man said it was still not necessarily a guarantor of death. He called the spirit a patient hunter, and she would only kill when she had the perfect opportunity and had not recently attained any prey. He attributed the reason that he was able to survive to this fact, and at this time I noticed that he wore a pained expression. Thus, I thanked him for the sharing of his account and excused him. I wonder if that man will be okay, if the spirit is a patient hunter, and if she had possibly marked him in some way, then it would just be a matter of time, wouldn't it? Have you had any strange happenings occur after listening to our podcast or watching one of our videos? Let us know. Something scary at snarled.com. In Ohio, there's an old cemetery by a road where cars mysteriously break down. Find out why in this tale, inspired by Gracie. Finding Stockham Cemetery in Linton Township, Coshocton County, Ohio, is more than a little challenging. In fact, folks just flat out find themselves there by happenstance when their cars break down under mysterious circumstances. It's off the OH-541 East, just passing the TR-123 on a gravel hall road with deep grooves and a looming caution sign. It is said when vehicles come to this fork, they run the risk of washing out and ending up in the woods where what's left of the old cemetery remains. It's no longer active or used for burials as the family is long gone and there's no one left to maintain it. Grass overgrowth is rampant over the broken and vandalized gravestones, but the spot is just merely the physical final burial place of Mary Stockham. Her spirit remains restless. According to the legend, Mary Stockham was a witch and had nine children. Her eldest daughter from her first marriage was mentally disabled, and Mary used magic to try and help her daughter. Her second husband, the father of the rest of her children, saw her eldest as a burden, and so he killed her. It was a time where people would blame any abnormality on demonic forces, and Mary's husband took her practices as a sign of dark witchcraft. Her husband was hanged for the crime. Misunderstood, the town began to fear the entire Stockham clan— Some claimed Mary should have been hanged, or worse. One by one, her remaining children died from a mysterious fever. Townspeople began to suspect Mary was poisoning them, and then used that as a way to charge her with witchcraft. However, Mary knew she was being framed, and while she was burned at the stake... She swore revenge on the town. And right after the burial, children in the town began to die mysteriously in the middle of the night. Their bodies were found the next morning as if they'd just stopped breathing. Some parents swore they'd see Mary's ghost watching from outside the window and laughing as she walked back to her grave in the woods. To quell her revengeful spree, a priest in town dug Mary up. They cut off her head and reburied it in an unknown location. It's said it ended up just outside of the cemetery by where the dirt road runs, the very road where people encounter her to this day. Recently, an adventurous young couple tried to find the cemetery until their car broke down. The man thought he saw someone in the distance to flag over for help, so he went to catch them on the dirt road. While alone in the car, The young woman caught sight of an older woman with wispy long hair beckoning her to follow. She pointed towards the woods, and the young woman realized that it had to be Mary Stockham. And Mary was getting dangerously close to the car. Terrified, the young woman watched as Mary approached, screaming to her, What in the name of God do you want? Mary Stockham leaned in held her face while staring at the frozen passenger. She took her head off of her body and held it to the woman's ear, whispering something within her ear. Later, the woman recounted that she would never repeat what Mary said, that it was so horrible that it could never be said, and she could never forget it. Today in the cemetery, Mary gleefully enjoys playing tricks on the minds of those she welcomes on the road. Some encounter her asking for help to find her children. Others claim to see a headless body roaming through the graves. In the most bizarre cases, some stumble upon a disembodied head screaming into the night. In the end, the truth behind the legend of Mary Stockham and her ill-fated family may be shrouded in gossip and tall tales. But... If you're adventurous too, their tombs can be found in the woods by the road. There's even a grave marker for Anna Mary Stockham if you want to find it. However, chances are she'll find you first. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty and Sabina Graves. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edited by Fitz Harris and Calvin Linderman. Graphics by Johnny Ashley. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon. Com slash snarled until next time my dark darlings sweet dreams
2: Angie's list is now Angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why i thought it was an eco
1: move